0: and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. And I'm really looking forward today because I'm going to get to know him much better, too. Our guest is Tommy Miller from Ohio. Tommy, welcome. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, Paul. Very honored and humbled. Thank you so much. It's mutual. And sometimes people I interview, I I know and I've interacted with for quite a while. Some I've even interviewed before. But this is a a brand new experience for me with Tommy. And he was highly recommended to me by our mutual friend, Don Keithley. And so hopefully we'll do our best to make don proud of both of us today <laughs> but again i'm going to learn uh, as much about tommy as you guys are and so i tommy just tell us to begin with where you are and what you do and then we'll get to how that came about
1: sure. so my wife and i miss shanda miller founded legacy church in new philadelphia ohio about 8 years ago 3 years into that church we started a school because we were really passionate about being able to offer the the revelation that I know Paul's very familiar with and Don is familiar with. Sometimes that stuff isn't always fit for public consumption. You know, a lot of times (laughs) traditional Western religion isn't always palatable to people. So we wanted to to not withhold what we had to offer, but kind of give it more of a focused place to land. So we started the school. And when the students come into the school, they can't really leave it. So they just kind of have to reconcile and deal with things that they're contemplating. So we have... A local church that functions like a local church, but it has the environment of a, a grace community. Then we have the school for people that are willing to open their minds a little bit to some things that might push against the Western paradigm a little. So we have two sons, two beautiful daughters-in-law, and four beautiful granddaughters that take most of our time and all of our affection. We absolutely love them.
0: Our, our family is just a testimony of God's goodness. You look like you're about 30. So how is that possible?
1: Well if you really want to know, that could be a good part of of the interview. I'm 35. When I was 19 years old, I was a, a, a drug dealer and a bouncer at a gentleman's club. And one of the dancers at the club and I started a relationship. She's 10 years older than I am. So we got married four months later. Our, the beginning of our marriage was an absolute failure. And then God came in and completely turned our lives and our kids around our marriage is a uh, the best marriage i've ever seen we've been married for 15 years now we have a home that reflects God, god's grace we have two sons that walk in the lord and lead their families in grace so i when when my wife and i got married my sons were 9 and 11 so i get that com- comment often but uh, but our testimony the reason i know grace works is because i'm a living example of it you know it's,
0: you can't get to where we are from where we were without a lot of goodness wow i i thought i had a story (laughs) (laughs) you you got a story my friend i i tell people that i I took the traditional route in the ministry i was a a jazz musician and nightclub owner I, i actually played two nights a week for a couple of years with my band at a gentleman's club the behavior there wasn't very gentlemanly
1: but, right. when uh, <laughs> so us get started. I guess.
0: Yeah. Hi, uh, guys. Well, we we got a lot in common. Yeah, so that that shows how you can look so young and and have kids that old. And so are your sons. It sounds like they're on this same unconditional love and grace finished work journey that you're on. They absolutely
1: are. They're they're fantastic men. I, I'd say one of the the strange things to reconcile was uh, was. We hurt them with religion when we were first saved. and uh, that kind of pushed them away for a while and then, and then completely changing our paradigm to radical grace and, and God's love, it was really hard to, to approach our kids and say, listen, we've got a lot to apologize for um, <laughs> but uh, but I promise what you hear from us now is truth and it's not painful. So yeah, both of our sons, kindly heard us out and yeah both of them lead their their wives and their kids with grace
0: it's, it's wow amazing. well are they in the same area that you're in oh they're they? ten, 10 miles of me and a quarter mile of each other wow all right well tell us how this happened how grace got a hold of you okay
1: so it's a good story and it's probably a lot like uh, a lot of the folks that are listening i was about ready to give up the ministry my wife and I, so I, I started out like I said, as a bouncer in in a gentleman's club at the time I was a uh, a national level bodybuilding competitor, and I was very sure of myself, just didn't need a whole lot, and I always thought that uh, Jesus was a crutch for people that couldn't make it. Mm. So the way it got started in the in the beginning was my son, who was eleven at the time my youngest son visited a youth camp. And my youngest son has one heck of an attitude. He's he's redheaded. He's witty. He's quick on the draw, and he's uh, he's just I don't know. He, he's he's just stereotypical redhead, you know. He can uh, he can stand toe to toe with you and not back down. And when he came back from this encounter that he had with God, he was a completely different guy, and I couldn't believe it. And you know, like kind of like I started, my wife and I, our marriage was on the outs at least once a week, if not more. Mm. At that time, we were deciding who got the dog. That means you know conversations were really serious. Mm. And um, mm. my son, who you know, obviously he's from her first marriage, which you'd never be able to tell that now. They're as much my sons as I am God's. Mm. He said, if you don't take me to church, I am going to move in with my biological dad because he could walk there from like he, he he made a stand. In my pride and arrogance, I took him. And by the end of the first service, I was done for. Like the goodness of God had completely overwhelmed me. And, uh, and honestly, I never looked back. But as you can imagine, I heard everything through my paradigm, which was traditional Western um, heaven, hell, right, wrong, behavior modification. Even though they might have been saying the wrong things, you just sometimes don't have the paradigm to hear it. So, fast forward three years, my wife and I are in the ministry, and the the sure of myself, confident guy that I was, was reduced. To worse than I ever was before I met the Lord. I would preach a message and we'd get out to the car and she'd just be dreading it and she'd know what I was about to say. I was going to say, how, how'd I do today? <laughs> and then I would just cry and say, they're all going to leave because of my preaching. They're all going to leave because somebody didn't get healed. And just the, the performance after I got saved was so much worse than the performance beforehand. And uh, I think I would have traded my salvation to, to go back not knowing wow, because the the pressure of religion was so much more painful Mm -hmm. but I, i had a a moment that all of this changed and that's been eight years ago um i was i was at a i was i was playing guitar hired to play guitar for another worship band at a conference and there was a a gentleman in from dallas and the week before i was called to a hospital to pray for a young man that had spinal meningitis. He was 19 years old. And they told me he had two weeks to live. And I walked into his hospital room and I laid hands on him. And before I left that day, he died. So it was, uh, it was of my opinion that had they not called me, he, got, he, he might not have met the same demise. So I was done. You know, the the pressure to to heal the sick and the pressure to raise the dead. Now, I fully believe in, walk in those things and love seeing them now. But it was still from a earning and deserving standpoint. So that guy was uh, preaching that, that night, that guy from Dallas, and I was only a week past this disappointment. And, you know, there was a, a line of 100 people up to him. There was a line of 50 people behind us. And we get to he and his wife to talk to them. And before we can get anything out of our mouths, he said, do you want to go to dinner? I said, sure. So he had his driver bring the car around, those other 50 people he left standing there, and somehow we ended up at Applebee's with him. And uh, I told him my story, and he said that same thing happened to me five years ago. I said, well, how'd you get past it? He said, I became a son. And I never, never considered myself a son of God before. I was always a good servant. Um, I was always uh, a man of God, but I had never just rested in the house of God because I was too busy working in this field. And uh, at that moment, God spoke something to me that I use as the government for my life now. Sons have favor and slaves have pressure and I can tell by what which one I'm feeling, which covenant I'm walking in. And that was the, uh, the seed, I'll say, of the ever-increasing revelation that came after that, but that was the turning point. Definitively,
0: that was the turning point I got adopted that day. <laughs> Wow, what a story! And you guys, you you tell it so well, Tommy. Man, my gosh! So, did you stay connected with that guy? Yeah, yeah, we have.
1: Yeah, his name's Gipe. His uh, his wife is uh, Ilka Pay. They're out of Dallas. They travel to a couple hundred countries a year. Just tremendous people, larger than life personalities. And he's actually larger than life. I think he's six foot eight, and Ilka's six foot one. But yeah, they, they had a uh, they had, they had more. To do with
0: our transition than they could ever understand. So, wow. So that day you became a son; you were adopted, in your words. Then, uh, what happened after that? So that that's another interesting
1: interesting journey. Is is I thought at that moment that everything was as good as it could be because I came out of bondage and into freedom. And uh, things started changing. I, I remember laying down in, to bed at night. I was always extremely studious. Um, I, was, I was employed at the time by an insurance company, and I worked remotely. So if, if I was able to do you know, my, my remote work, laptop work, and there was gaps in between, I'd be reading my Bible. And I would read from the beginning of Acts to the end of Jude about five days a week. And I prided myself in being studious and learning, and I, I led our youth group through apologetics courses. And it was always om- almost like reformed theology, and it wasn't it wasn't super healthy. But mm. when th- when that happened, my Bible reading became much more intimate. And the odd thing that marked that season in my life is I started learning more in my sleep than I did while I was awake. <laughs> really. Yes. Yeah. I remember one night I asked God to, uh, to reveal to me why he cursed the big tree because I'd studied it for years and I had all of these great, you know, parabolic understandings of it, but, uh, but I never understood it. So I, I was actually asleep in the room next to the one I'm in now. And I laid down and when, when I used to lay down at that time, it was just like euphoric. Like there was no stress. For the first time in my life, my, my mind was quiet at night. I was harboring no guilt, no insecurity. And I just lay down and it just felt like I'd entered into heaven. <laughs> but I asked God why he cursed the tree. And when I woke up, I knew. And, and those, those kind of things happened over and over and over again. And I, I don't mean to make it sound cosmic or odd, but what he was showing me through that whole time is everything that you've ever strived for is going to be given to you because you're resting now. And uh, <clears throat> he said, Yeah, the fig tree was Israel. I actually cursed the system that you used to be in. I can't allow that system of earning and deserving to bear fruit anymore. That's why immediately he said, Have God's faith. Anything you believe you received, you have. Resting in a finished work. And, and I woke up and I had sermon material. I, I stopped, you know, preparing 25, 30 hours on a sermon. God was able to preach better sermons through me than I, he did through my, my efforts and trying. And uh, everything changed. I, I remember going up to the pulpit and having this understanding that I never had before because it was always a performance thing. Even if you, you would lie to yourself and say it wasn't, it was, uh, this is God's message. I'm God's son and it came from him. If they don't like it,
0: I'm not the problem. <laughs> <laughs> that changed everything oh man yeah that you know that uh uh well again what a story that uh, you're talking about the the fig tree you know the one of the things that uh i was often asked i, I still am sometimes since i've uh am on this new journey is uh, well if what you say is true you know what why did jesus come what what did he save us from and uh <laughs> if, if there's no hell what did he what did he save us from and uh, i i the lord showed me and, and i know he's shown lots of other people too that he he saved us from the the damnable uh structure of religion that portrays an angry god that doesn't like people that's what he saved us on that's what jesus came to to reveal and to show us and religious people didn't like it so much they killed him today they don't kill us. Physically, but they sure try to get rid of us <laughs> when, when we when we tell them that. But I I, I was, um, oh, gosh, who was it? I was, last week I was interviewing uh, some friends that I've interviewed before, uh, and I did a whole series of them. I can't remember if this was Richard Murray or Keith Giles, Don Keithley, uh, one of them, but uh, uh, we came to the mutual agreement that Pretty much everything we learned in traditional religion was just 180 degrees wrong. Yeah. And uh, n- nice people, wonderful people, God loves it. And you know, I, what I taught was, was 180 degrees wrong, but just misinformed, misguided uh, people who don't have yet have a revelation of the truth. And just, man, you can just go down the line. Almost every single thing. And that's a, that's a whole lot of stuff piled upon, a whole lot of more stuff that uh, it, it, it can be hard to wade through, can't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we, we just finished up, I uh, want we'll to say finished up, we're about two-thirds of the way through 12 weeks of covenant theology in our school. And that's one of the things that, that we have to do. Our students always say, we wouldn't have to have a school if we didn't have to unlearn stuff. You know, that's, uh, that's what we spend most of our time doing, is unlearning traditional religion. I was just preparing for this evening where we're talking about uh, death and how death has been celebrated as a savior. Everything that Jesus promised us is what we say at funerals we receive from death. You know, they don't cry anymore. They're not in pain. You know, they're not heartbroken. They're not part of this, the pain of this world anymore. And, and Jesus came to have life or give us life and life to the full. But we think that that life isn't available until we die. That's just simply not the case, but I I would agree with you. And uh, I think there's been an all-out assault on the message of life and grace through religion and death. You know, the Bible says that where there is no law, there is no transgression. And it says the strength of sin was the law, and the wages of sin is death. So legalism, I forget, I think it's 2,847 years, God dealt with man with no law whatsoever. And the only way that we know him and understand him in the Western culture is through that short time under the Mosaic Code where he had one. And for some reason, we, we defined him by that instead of his, his unrelenting pursuit
0: of us since the garden. And he only gave us that law because we refused a, a, a relationship with him. And uh, he said, okay, <laughs> if that's what you want, try this. Yeah.
1: How was that too. Um, I, I just, uh, I finished a a product or a project for the new creation covenant. And there's a session in there called the wrath of God with a question mark at the end. And, uh, and it goes through three circumstances before Exodus, excuse me, Exodus 19. And then three circumstances after Exodus 19 and before Exodus 19, they got hungry. So God gave them bread. And they got thirsty, so God gave them a, a tree to throw in the water so it would become sweet. And they gathered on the Sabbath, so God promised to give them twice as much on the day before the Sabbath so they didn't have to work. You know, the only things that God asked them to observe before the Mosaic law was the Passover, because that's the day they were set free, and the Sabbath, because they had been under seven-day work weeks under Pharaoh making bricks through their entire generation. So the only thing God wanted to celebrate with them was freedom and rest. That's all he asked for. And then he asked them to come up the mountain, become a nation of priests. You're going to be my people. I'll be your God. All you have to do is celebrate freedom and rest with me. And I will even drive the inhabitants of your promised land out with bees. So you don't have to swing a sword. And then they refused it. And they, they requested a, a, an inferior covenant, which we could get into for a long time. But, but that's when you start seeing the wrath of God, when they started asking for it. Immediately after, he he agreed to that kinship covenant with them, the same things happened. They grumbled because they were hungry and God killed them because he was forced to by the covenant they were in. There was a time that they were thirsty and God sent serpents into their camp. And then they found a guy gathering sticks on the Sabbath and God said, this man must surely be put to death. So God's wrath was never part of his nature. It was demanded of him by humanity. Mm -hmm. And once he fulfilled that that covenantal moment, you know, through through Christ. And that's that's another strange thing that maybe we, we could or couldn't say. The blood sacrifice of Jesus did nothing for Gentiles. It satisfied a, a demand on the Jewish people that they they created through the Levitical process. Mm-hmm. But his death, burial, and resurrection give us life, but where there's no law, there's no transgression. So if we weren't under the law, the only way we can get in is by believing. So after he satisfied all that, then the wrath of God According to man's request, is no more. Like it's just not part of his nature, and it's, it's wild to think it is.
0: Yeah. Did you uh, you yourself come up with the curriculum for your school?
1: Yeah, yeah. I wrote the curriculum for the school. I've got some some tremendous influences. Uh, Chris Blackaby is uh, is a tremendous teacher. He's probably one of the best new creation teachers. He's also one of my closest friends. But yeah, I've I've written everything. I haven't found. I just started Global Grace Seminary, so I haven't found a uh, what I want to say a pre written thing that I think would be suitable for what for what I'm trying to accomplish. So yeah, everything I've mm-hmm. I've written, I've I've taken some things from David Duncan and oh Jonathan Welton does some some really good covenant teachings. But uh, but yeah, i just kind of resourced myself from a lot of their material, but then just responsibly approaching the Bible. I think the Bible has way more life in it to offer than grace folks give it credit for. They just have to yeah. see it through the right lens.
0: Do people at your school come to stay there or are they people in the local area that come in during the day?
1: So, so far they're local. I, I'm, I'm working on something global right now. It's going to be separate from the school. The reason we, we, we don't want to offer the school online We've been asked for years to do it. But the reason we keep it local is we we see that place in Romans where Paul, I mean, obviously Romans is like the most well-constructed epistle that Paul wrote. And even at the end of it, he said, I want to come to you so that I can give you an impartation. So a lot of what that school offers is the community and the chance to argue, for for lack of a better term, you know, we, we we don't leave the school on uncommon grounds we have the chance to reconcile things and and bring up places where it challenges our current belief system and actually work stuff out and sometimes when when you just throw some theology out online people can misinterpret it and not ask questions based on their paradigm and leave so the school is an in-person thing people aren't coming to stay at the moment people are driving a really long way we've got some folks uh, hour and a half two hours away that come every sunday and every tuesday but uh
0: uh, yeah, it's so you're going to have school today after we uh, after we get. Well, guys, thanks for making the time to get together today.
1: Yeah, we have school this evening. It's going to be a great night. Probably one of the best
0: we've ever had. Wow. Well, let's talk some more about this in our next episode. We're it's about time to close up uh, for now. It's been wonderful, Tommy, and I. you all who are uh, watching and listening, see us next time. It'll look like uh, it's been several days apart, but we're wearing the same clothes, and there's a reason for that. <laughs> I, I say that about every time I do I, People are going to get tired of it. I'm getting tired of hearing myself say it. I'm going to quit that. <laughs> so, Tommy, before we wrap this session up, tell people uh, how they can find you online and uh, where you are.
1: Sure, sure. So we we're not really a product based ministry at this point. We do most of our stuff live. I think the most effective and beneficial place you could go is to, uh, and I've, I've, I think I supplied Paul with a link is to be part of the New Creation Collective group on Facebook. And Legacy Church is the name of the church that I pastor. We we live stream all of our Sunday mornings on Facebook and YouTube. Yeah, you can you can access anything we have there, and we just really want to put this message out to as many people as possible.
0: Great. Well, I encourage people to do that, and myself included. So we'll be doing that, and we'll be talking uh, some more on the next episode of Grace to All with Paul Gray. So, Tommy, thanks a lot. Honored, Paul. Thank you so much. And thank all of you for listening and being with us for another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray with my friend Tommy Miller. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you,